0: short testimony, um, on uh, last week, no, this week, a friend of mine, I, I don't know who of you was at the Life Team, but I mentioned my one friend's having was with cancer, and he, you know, so he's basically, they gave him three months to live. So, um, I told my friend in the week, look, let's, let's drive through to your dad, and let just go him, then, uh, then we'll sort out that sickness. So, I phoned up, Bill said, as I know he's always available. <laughs> so I said, Bill, look, if you have time, you can join me, and we'll drive through And he said, yeah, no, he's always available. So, um, so we took the car Thursday night, no, Friday night, went through to and his brother was there visiting him. He stays alone in his house. His wife just passed away uh, a year or two ago. So he stays alone in this house. And, but his brother and his wife was, was there to visit him. So when we were there, his brother is also, uh, he's, he's um got a very good relationship with the Lord. And um, so he really welcomed us there. And he said, well, guys, um, this is all we've got, you know. So, uh, so, he does not came with Bill and then to his brother and his wife. So all of us stood together in faith, prayed for for um, this guy, and and we left there. You know, fully with the full belief that you know he's he's on on his healing path now. So and the next morning, the brother his brother phoned me and said, um, "Look, he just wants to give me an update." Of last night. First of all, um, that guy's hope is through the roof because he's just just on a different path of hope, hopefulness. Um, But secondly, he wears these um, morphine um, patches to take away his pain. Like every, I don't know, let's say three hours, that, that thing wears out and you have to replace it with a new one. Because the pain is just so unbearable, he's got it in his spine. He's got uh, cancer. So, so then, so then he said, uh, ten o'clock that evening, Friday evening, he was he was supposed to change the patches again, for you know to just relieve the pain. And and, and he phoned me the next morning, ten o'clock something. And he said, since last night, he hasn't changed his patches anymore because he just doesn't have any pain in his back anymore so so we so yeah so we did the gold as well just to tell him look uh, that guy doesn't feel any pain and then uh, yeah and he said just uh, overall uh, that guy's eyes were so enlightened now he's, he's just on the path of victory oh yeah and he and he's also he had problems with his um, I don't know what you call it yeah he had got a colostomy something like that but the, this thing didn't work properly as well, and also that same evening after we left, that thing started functioning. He's, uh, yeah, this thing. So um, yeah, I just thought um, yeah, and just after that phone call, I just I just felt um, like uh, God, you know, sort of telling me, look, um, look what difference that made that one guy's life, you know, bringing hope into that situation. Um, we could have left it, but th- but we gave hope, you yeah. know. So, yeah, it just encouraged me again and both um, to to just see that and, and to, to realize that, um, that that we are here to bring hope to so many people and um, yeah, sometimes we are, dis- are disobedient. Uh, I've been disobedient lots of times. And then, you know God tells you to go there but to find other things to do and whatever. But I'm so glad we went. And as far as in came to park, you know, but we just drove through, did it, came back, and, you yeah, know, just, just uh, built up everyone. Us and him and so forth. Amen. Yeah.
1: Happy Father's Day to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for giving your Son. Thank you. We recognize you as the Father of all, all that is good, all that is lovely, pure. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, our Father of lights. And we're so privileged and honored to be called your children, your, your sons and your daughters of the Most High God, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for being here with us, in us, and ready to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hmm? Microphone. Oh, microphone. Need a microphone. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So, uh, children... Power. Got to be switched on. I think there's a... A sermon in there somewhere. Be switched on. You can have the microphone. You can be going to the, but are you switched on in faith <laughs> and in connection? So the children are going that way with Anya and uh, have fun. So it's Father's Day, so we recognize our Heavenly Father, huh? Um, it was a miracle how Jesus was born, right? His whole life began with a miracle. Our Heavenly Father performed a miracle because a virgin shall conceive, right? And be with child, Mary. And then, you know, our Heavenly Father, then Jesus came. So Jesus was born of the Spirit, right? We, as children of God, are born of the Spirit. Just the same miracle that took place when the Word, God, became flesh and he, His seed was birthed inside Mary and Jesus, you know, His life was born and He came to show us what a Son of God, living as a Son of God, what that looks like. So we would know, so we can walk in His footsteps, right? And when we are born again, born of the Spirit which is what being born again means, right? We're born of spirit. That same miracle working power that gave birth to the Son of God, the unique Son of God, Jesus, and that rose Christ from the dead has given us a new life and our life in spirit begins as a Son of God. So on this Father's Day, I want to delve a little bit deeper into that in just the miraculous Life transfer that our heavenly Father did when He gave birth to us in the Spirit. Okay, because you know we often people think, "Wow, yeah, the birth of Jesus—that was that was a miracle," you know. And, and but our born again life that we are living, being a new creation, is no less of a miracle. Jesus said. Which is easier to say after he raised the layman, "Your sins are forgiven you, or to rise up and walk," which is easier. But that you may know that the Son of, of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, so I said, "Your sins are forgiven." So God to forgive our sins and to wash us clean, to make us the right His righteousness, that is the greatest miracle that has ever taken place in, in this universe. And our life, the fact that our faith in God, our walk with God, our journey with God, our growing up into Him, the fact that we are born of Spirit, born again, and we have access through Christ, in Christ, to the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, and, and, and that is no less miraculous. We need to realize our life, as a Christian, as a believer, the state we are, present tense, in, not will be, the state that we are in as a new creation is truly miraculous in every sense of the word. And we talk about um, um, eternal life. You know, receive Jesus and you will receive eternal life. Okay, what does that mean? What is eternal life? In John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. It is a knowing relationship connection. You know, when God put his DNA into Mary, and Jesus started growing, and he was born, it was a spirit, I mean, God whose spirit did that. He was born of Spirit. And his DNA was there. When we are born through Christ, born of the Spirit, God's very DNA, divine nature attributes, I'm using it in that way, okay? His DNA, divine nature attributes are inherently transferred into who we are. It's not up to you and to me to work for and earn. Who could work for and earn the DNA of God and being partakers of His divine nature? Who could do enough praying and fasting and good deeds and whatever you want to try to use? Who could ever deserve to, to work a miracle through the Spirit of God? Who could ever deserve? to be called a child of God, to be born of spirit. Who could ever hope that by their own achievements and human efforts, they could be partakers of the very life of God and have a relationship with him? Nobody, no human efforts. And so we have to go back to the very source and look at what God has done and whom he has made us to be. And what state are we in? Okay, so to receive eternal life, what does that mean? It means to know God, to walk with God. It means to be enjoined and connected to him in such a relationship that is so strong and powerful. It's not a a human effort type of thing. It's something God has done and what God has joined together, no man can separate. Romans 8, the end of the chapter there, says, Neither height nor death nor any other thing could separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, how did we come into this miraculous state of being born again, a new creation, carriers of the very DNA and life of God, and incidentally, when you, in faith, take God at his word and, and believe God, whether it's for healing or for whatever, all the promises of God, he's our healer, our provider, whatever, when we're in that state of abiding in faith in what he has said and what he has promised us, then that inherent nature And the Spirit of God who is inside of us is free to work. You know, we need to not hold captive the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is inside and joined to us for a reason. That reason is that we may live like Christ Jesus. He said, the same works and greater you will do, those who believe in me. So the the reason... That God's DNA, that we're partakers of His divine nature, that the Spirit of God is in us, is for a purpose, and that purpose is everything we see in the life of Jesus. John Lake, somebody, uh, a lady came to him, and she had, she was a, an older Christian, elderly lady, um, very good Christian, <laughs> let's say, in, in as far as understanding. Jesus loves her and, and living right and, and all of those things. But she didn't understand about the access she has through Christ as our healer, Jehovah Rapha, right? And so she came to, to Dr. Lake and, and wanted him to lay hands on her for healing. And John Lake was uh, busy with some paper, and he looked up and he said, no, no, I'm not going to lay hands on you, and I'm not going to uh, pray for you. And she's like, why? He <laughs> said, because the Christ who is in you is enough," He said, go sit over there in that chair. And I want you to just think and meditate a bit on the reality of the healer living inside of you. The very spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of you. And I want you to sit over there and just dig down into the depths of the reality of the blessed state in which you are and allow him to, to do that for you. So she went. She went and, and she sat over there and, and and as she just focused her attention to this truth, to this reality of the fact that she's in Christ, Christ's in her and, and he's the healer, and what that means, she she got healed, okay, without John Lake laying his hands on her or anything. So realizing the truth of the blessed state we are in. What Christ has done in us and for us allows us to be partakers of his divine nature in any sphere or venue in our life which is lacking or which needs that, um, well, all of it needs the influx of Christ in every sphere of our life constantly. That's what Jesus meant when he said, abide in me, John 15. Abide in me and my word, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. What does that mean, to abide? Well, the foundation of abiding is understanding what Christ has done for us. So, how are we partakers of eternal life? What happens to us to thus allow God's spirit to come in us? I mean, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. Light does not dwell with darkness. Have you ever seen light and darkness in the same place? ever if okay let's say this this place right here can there be light and darkness in the same location light does not coexist with darkness darkness is nothing it is the absence of light okay so when we understand And the light of God's word, thy word, is a lamp, a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, right? When the living word of God, Jesus, who is made flesh, embodied in his word, when we understand the light and the truth of Jesus in our lives, we can then become partakers in experience, in life experience of his light. If we remain unaware or ignorant of certain aspects of what he has made available to us, then we will not partake of it even though we have it, we have access to that. But if we do not understand the truth, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So our faith is grounded in what God says, right? Not just what he has said, what he says, because heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What God has said yesterday, it applies today. What Jesus has spoken is still going. God spoke and it's still, his word is still resonating, going out. So we need to understand, okay, how did we, what happened that we became partakers of eternal life? God did something in us that we, are made righteous, okay? In uh, 2 Corinthians it says that we were made the righteousness of God in Christ. When we're born again, okay, when we confess and, and we turn from our sin and all of that, we say, Jesus, I want you, you're my Lord, you're my savior, I'm, my life is yours, I'm gonna follow you. When we make that decision, God's spirit, the seal of being a child of God, God's Spirit comes into us, and it says in Titus three five by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, we are we are born again. So the Holy Spirit comes in and washes that part, our spirit, you know, that part that no human effort could cleanse, sin that is stained crimson red. Have you ever like spilled some something into the carpet that it's just not going to come out, you know. Um, and so it, that's how we were. You know, we were stained with sin and abiding in death. But then when we receive Jesus, life comes in because God is life, eternal life. His life never ends, so it keeps going on forever. So when God comes in, he cleanses us. We're made a brand new creation, and then we become partakers of his very life. But the only reason that we can be partakers of that life is because we were made righteous. When Jesus comes in, the fact that our sins are forgiven and we're cleansed means we are made in right standing with God. In 2 Corinthians it says, um, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So remember, light doesn't dwell with darkness. So we had to become light. To be able to coexist, not just coexist, but to be partakers of light. As long as we abide in darkness, we are not partakers of light. But God had to make us light. He had to make us like him, like he did at the very beginning in Genesis, Genesis male and female. He says he created us, he created Adam and Eve in his own image, in his own likeness. And now in Christ, the second Adam, you know, he makes us, he created us in his image. So... God had to put his very DNA just like he did when Jesus was born put his very DNA his very essence inside of us and join to us in order to have fellowship with us because if he did not make us righteous God is righteous right he is not an evil doer he is not darkness he is not God is pure light so when the holy spirit came in he eradicated all darkness. It says he transferred. Uh, transfer means it's no longer there. You know, when you transfer money, it's gone. <laughs> you can look for it in your bank account, but it's, if you transfer it out, it's gone. It's, it's, it's not there. It's wherever you sent it. Right. So God has transferred and pulled us out from the enemy's grip, from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of His Son, of His love, His marvelous light. So. By virtue of us abiding in light, we are partakers of His light. Our nature is light now. Our nature is God's nature. Otherwise, we could not have relationship with God who is light. So by virtue of the fact that we can abide in Christ and we can have relationship with Him shows us and is proof to us that your nature is light. You are partakers of God's divine nature, or you could not have relationship with Him. In God is no darkness at all. So we need to un- so understanding this righteousness that God has made us to be, according to Second Corinthians five. The fact that God has made us righteous allows us to be partakers of His divine nature, allows us to abide in Him, to function from Him, to release His power, to to be partakers of His love, to be transferers of His kingdom to others. God, his, by His very nature, is every good thing. Whether you think of something in power, in love, and everything in between. He, he provider. He, he, he's, he. God, there is no lack in God. There is no sickness and disease in God. There is no darkness in God. So, when we became partakers of His righteousness... And his DNA, divine nature attributes, his life is transferred into us. We received all things. right? It says in Second Peter one that um, we, we um, let me just read that. I think I've got it. Yeah. In Second Peter one verse two, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants us to understand some things and because his grace and peace is multiplied to us through the experiential knowledge. That's not just information, but that is truth that we receive and live by. That's, that's when you know something, when you're experiencing it. You know, you can learn stuff in books, and you can collect information, and it may be true, but until you're living that out, you don't really know it. That's um, the word in the Greek there, um, where it says knowledge, it's an experiential knowledge, not just informational stuff. Okay. Grace and peace multiply to you in the knowledge of God <clears throat> and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us some things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that right? <laughs> no. All things. That's what The scripture doesn't say... He's given us, uh, you know, ABC, but not 1, 2, 3. Or, okay, whatever. It says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So in other words, living life, his life, eternal life, wherever we are, and being like him, godliness. So his, <clears throat> the knowledge of God and of Jesus, his divine power so it's his power that did it not our human efforts his power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the experiential knowledge of him what is eternal life John 17:3 to know him the one true god and Jesus Christ whom he has sent that is eternal life so here we have the same thing we have everything we need through the experiential knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, by his glory and his virtue, his character, his nature, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises, the word of God, we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through through lust. So, we are partakers of his divine nature as we allow his word, his truth, that we believe and we live and we manifest his kingdom. That's how we actually experience and we're partakers of his divine nature. So the problem in, in institutionalized uh, Christianity, if I can put it like that, today, is, is a lack of really where the rubber meets the road living like Jesus, it's a lack of understanding that we even can, you know, that that's even possible. And so, we need to understand the foundational things that allows us, that makes it easier for us to move in the fullness of Christ, in the things of the Spirit of God. And this understanding about that we are the righteousness of God in Christ is a foundational thing we need to understand if we if we want to live like Jesus, His love, His power, His everything that He He modeled and demonstrated to us, you know, in the Old Testament, um, <clears throat> Exodus twenty nine, thirty seven, yeah, it was talking about the altar, you know, where they made sacrifices for God, to God and, and stuff, and and if something touched the altar, it's this classic question: if you I don't know this old joke, like in the Catholic churches. If a, if a holy, if a fly falls into the holy water, does the holy water become contaminated, or does the fly become holy? You know. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so something along that train of thought. In Exodus twenty nine thirty seven, if it says if something the, the altar was dedicated consecrated it was set apart for the things of God an altar it was not a living organism it's just you know it was bricks and stone they put it together in a certain way god told them how but it was dedicated to god and so it became holy when the holy spirit the holy spirit comes into us and god's seal of his own dna and life is put upon us we become holy as he is holy because the holy spirit light no darkness at all comes and and abides in us. So, life is about living according to who we really are in Christ. It's not about striving to become. It's about realizing who we are, whom God has created us to be, partakers of his divine nature, and thus living accordingly, walking by faith and not by sight. Okay, but now back to the altar. So, in the Old Testament, it says, if anything touched the altar, that thing would become holy. It's not that the altar... Darkness cannot overpower light. If, if, if darkness comes into contact with light, it's, it's light it is all that's there. So, so even there, in the Old Testament, it, there was a demonstration of something touching the altar. It became holy. Christians are so afraid, in general, institutionalized, whatever, the general way of thinking, to you know, be contaminated by this and that and being affected by this and that, rather than understanding who we are and allowing God's presence, the one in whom we live and abide, John 15, to just emanate because we've trained and practiced our way of thinking to only be in alignment with what Jesus, to the mind of Christ, would think. And so God's intention for us, we are the righteousness of God, thereby we can have fellowship with God, Thereby we have boldness and access to the things of God, not because you human effortly worked for it and deserved it and did whatever. It's because of the sacrifice of Christ. And by virtue of his DNA being in you, you are light. So thus you are partakers of the things of light, of the spirit of God. We need to come back to this foundational understanding that we are the righteousness of God. Not by human effort, but by what the sacrifice of Christ has made available to us. If we understand we are the righteousness of God in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5, what does that open up for us? Everything. All of who God is. Every promise of God. Why? Because there is a flow. There is a a two being made one of the very Spirit of God in ourselves. We are children of the light. We are children of God as Jesus was born, you know, by the Spirit of God. So we were born by the Spirit of God, His DNA, His nature. It's all there. We cannot earn it, deserve it, work for it. If we could not earn, deserve, and work for the Spirit of God, what about the things of the Spirit of God? Are they cheaper than God Himself? That we could earn them by human efforts? No. They come with God Himself. They are not separated from Him. It's a manifestation of Him. The gifts of the Spirit is not chopping off a little little piece of God. And Here you go. I'll give you some of that. No, God is with us. He wants to manifest Himself in all the gifts of the Spirit as the occasion warrants and requires. But our faith and understanding need to be of such a point that we can access that. How? By understanding the power of what Jesus has accomplished in causing us to be born of His Spirit, made righteous, and thus partakers of God Himself, His divine nature. If we are the righteousness of God, whatever touches us will be affected, not vice versa. If we abide In the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So it means to abide in Christ. It means to abide in Jesus. It means to train ourselves, discipline ourselves, to bring our thoughts back in captivity to the life of Christ and his mind about whatever it is that's on your mind, that's in your paradigm of life and experience. How would Jesus respond? What would he think? What would he do? There you will find what God expects us to think and do in the same manner. But this takes, you know, as it says in Corinthians, um, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It doesn't just, you know, our part is to abide. That's why Jesus you know, spent a, um, a good amount of words in John 15 about abide in me. I've laid the table for you. Revelation 3.20, the table is spread. It's all there. In the presence of your enemies, I've, I've laid out a table for you. In the presence of my enemies, yeah, I'm going to sit down and relax and just eat with Jesus. That, that's what you do in the presence of your enemies. You don't go out there and run out in human efforts and try to bang them down. and cry. You, 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 you sit down with Jesus in the spirit of faith And truth and knowing who you are in Christ and the access you have in Him, and just by faith speaking to that storm, speaking into that situation, reacting and doing how Jesus would react and do. But it comes from just that peace of faith and rest. Ceasing from human effort works, it says in Hebrews 4, I think. talks about leaving off human efforts and, and, and entering into the rest of Christ. It says, he who has ceased from his own works has entered into God's. Okay, God will not share his glory with another. God will not share his glory with any human effort, but he shares his glory with With us, he says in John 17, Jesus said, The glory, Father, that you have given to me, I have given to them. Well, how does that work? Because it's his glory. It's his DNA. It's his light. It's his life that we are partakers of. Not by human effort, but by the cross of Christ and the sacrifice he made. And that he rose from the dead. And now all power, all authority, Jesus said, has been given to him, to me, in heaven, on earth. Therefore you go and preach the gospel, make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead. Do everything that I was doing, Jesus said. Why? Because he has all authority. Because he has all power. Therefore, any human being has none. He has it all. But we enter into His works. We enter into His righteousness. We enter into all of that through faith in His name. And so we need to train ourselves to, to bring every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. And from there, the Holy Spirit um, can flow um, f- through us. First Corinthians 6.17, it just talks about how we are joined together with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 19 talks about that our... Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So, the very spirit of God living inside of us. Romans 5.17 says, If by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned. So death was reigning. When Adam and Eve fell, death reigned reigned in this world, right? I mean, it was like sickness and disease came into the world, death came in, and things got corrupted from God's original state and plan and purpose and desire, right? So through one man's offense, death reigned <clears throat> through the one. So Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, they, death came just through their decision, through, through the one. How much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So what's the the gift of righteousness? Being made the righteousness of God. Whatever touches the altar is made holy. If we abide and live by this truth and understanding in Christ, we will change the atmosphere in the places that we go. We will change the circumstances. It is, we will not be subject to touch, not taste, not you know, John Lake, when he was in South Africa, he was this uh, plagues that were going on, killing, wiping out all po- populations of people. <clears throat> and he wanted to go there and, and, and heal the sick and, and stop it. Why? Because he was the son of God, and he understood that he could, Christ through him, could do that, so let's go do it. But the doctors were like, no, you can't, we can't let you up there. You're going to die. Look, you, know, you come in contact with this disease, and it kills you. It's, we, we have trouble finding doctors to send there because they don't want to go. They're dying. Okay. And then you know, some of you may have heard the story. Then John Lake said, okay, give me, he went to a dead man's mouth who had died of that disease, and he scooped up that Stuff that was oozing from the dead man's mouth that carried the disease. And he said, no, 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 sorry, before he did that, he told the doctor to, to look at that disease, that foam under the microscope, and the disease was moving around in there. But then when Dr. Lake took that foam and he held it, it was just releasing the life of God through faith into that stuff. And he said, now you scraped it off, put it on a little glass Thing, you know, that you stick under the microscope, and he said, Look at it now. So they looked under it under the microscope, all of the living dynamics of that disease had died. That is the life of a son of God. And so they let him go up there and help stop plagues and all this kind of stuff. That is our destiny. The, any way that the life of God needs to go and stop what God has not ordained. God has not ordained people to be sick, diseased. Uh, he has not ordained us to, to, you know, you name it. Look at all the promises of God. See how Jesus lived. That's, that's the life he has for us. And anything that does not look like that, well, then we, we speak through faith, life into that situation, and we enact the change. We're, we're supposed to be change agents. That's who the sons of God are. That's why we're in this world. That's why we're not sitting in heaven yet. God hasn't yanked us up to heaven yet. Why? Because (laughs) he wants us to spread what we have. He wants us to be contagious with the heavenly DNA and spread it all around so that other people can be partakers of of his divine nature as as sons of God. So, back to Romans 5.17. Through the one man death reigned. How much more those who receive the abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness. So the fact that we are made righteous through Christ—that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, not that we try to be righteous. We—it's who we are, you know, like the song, the last song, "Good, Good Father." Um, what's he singing about? It's, it's who we are. But what was that attached to? Um, I'm loved by you, or, or something. But it's like, it's who we are. We are the loved of God. We are the righteousness of God. We are partakers of His divine nature. We are born again. We are a new creation. We, it's not that we're striving to be. Jesus did it. When He was on that cross, He said, at a certain point, it is finished. It is accomplished. What does that mean? That means no human effort will add to what he has done in order to bring the righteousness of God into the experience of mankind. Jesus did it. We receive by faith. Just as we receive by faith, we live by faith. I think it's in Galatians 3 where it talks about, oh, foolish Galatians. He said, who has tricked you? You started off by faith, and you know now are you trying to be perfected by the works of the law and human efforts? He who works miracles among you, it says, does he do it by the striving of human effort, the law, or by the hearing of faith? You see, there we have the two things. We have the attempts of righteousness by human effort, the law, okay, and we have the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham, it says, believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Why? Because he believed God, he believed what he said, and he acted. Because if you believe, you act, right? You act upon. If you if we say we believe, but we don't act, that's not the kind of saving faith. Um, It says in James, it says faith without works is dead. We can talk about blah blah blah, but you know, it's what we live by. What has entered into the secret depths of our heart what we are living according to, that is what is energizing our soul. And, our, and that's what we're living by. Okay? So it's, it's not the words we say, but it is, the, it is the words that we have allowed, the truth of God that we've allowed into our heart. Because with our heart we believe. Resulting in righteousness. It says in Romans 10. With the heart we believe resulting in righteousness. So through faith in Christ, we are partakers of his righteousness, and because we are made righteous, the life of God, we, we can walk by faith, and his life emanates through us. So this second Corinthians five verse seventeen through 21 there talks about this gift of righteousness, and thus we will reign in life, just as death reigned through sin, now the ra- the right- because we are made righteous we are destined to reign through Jesus Christ. He's the king of kings, right? But he's the king of kings. (laughs) In other words, there's other kings, but he's the king of the kings, right? In in the first chapter and second, I think as well, or third, um, it talks about we are made kings and priests. It's who we are, it's our DNA, it's our inheritance in Christ. So Jesus is the king of all the kings. So when it talks about reigning, it's with with that understanding of reigning as kings. Where the enemy, death, hell, sickness, disease, demonic infestation, whatever it is, we have authority through Christ over all those things, not by human efforts, by faith, simple, childlike faith and a willingness to step out on what Jesus has provided, nothing else, no human efforts. Our cooperation and abiding in is our acting upon in faith, walking by faith. That's our part. But it's his power, his love, his doing, and we are destined to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Okay. Now his word, maybe sitting in that thing, oh gosh. It seems lofty. Listen, we need to know where we're going here. (laughs) You don't know where you're going when you get behind the wheel of a car. You're going to waste your gas and end up in the middle of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? We need to know where we're going. God is not angry at the growth process in us. He He realizes we are growing up into him in all things, Ephesians 4, up into the fullness of who he is. So don't get discouraged. If you see the bar and you feel like, man, you know that's not me, it is you, and you're growing up there. So never let the enemy steal away that that is you. You understand that is your destiny, that is your look. Jesus is with you. We will never leave you nor forsake you, and that's enough right there. We we get to live life in God. But yes, He has destined us to reign through him. And we're learning to reign. This life of walking by faith and not by sight is to result in us learning how to reign with Christ. And those who learn how to reign and walk by Christ, walk by trust in his word, learn that he is faithful. And so we walk and we trust and we do his word and we see the miraculous. As we learn to do that, we are being made into that trustable pillar which it says in the first few chapters of Revelation, it says, to him who overcomes, he will be a pillar in my heavenly kingdom. God will have a kingdom. After this earth is, as we know it, when the new chapter of the great white throne, when everything is finished as we know it, and there, there will be a kingdom. Jesus said, you know, he who is faithful will have rule over, you know, he says... Um, if you were faithful with those things, the parable of the talents, right? And he said, you are faithful over, da, 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 have rule over these cities, right? There is an aspect of reigning with Christ. that He is not only that we are, get to live and experience now, but for eternity. God is establishing his eternal kingdom as w- with living stones. That is us alive for an eternal kingdom. And we learn to walk by faith now. This is a proving ground to prove who we trust in, who we really are, which is revealed by what we really do. Okay. So if we choose to walk by faith, not by faith, it doesn't matter what happened or happening, but that is our heart. That is our intention. That is whom we are growing up into, into Christ. Then God sees, you know what? This this one here can be a pillar in my kingdom. Because he relies on me. It doesn't matter what storm tries to blow him off course. storm, more like a hurricane. No matter what storm tries to blow him off course and rattle his faith, the enemy shouting in his ear that, "Ah, you're on your own here, buddy. No, what God has joined together, no man can separate. No devil can separate. Jesus says, abide in me. Let my word abide in you and you know we just need to take that simple truth of abiding and we need to meditate on that we need to let the nutrients of whom that gives us access to by just you know like the woman sat in the chair when John like said no I'm not going to lay hands on you go and just allow the reality and truth of Christ in you to have its effect and so we need to sit down and just with Jesus and we just need to Focus and commune with him in his mind, knowing that there is no break, there is no limitation, there is no anything because of what he has done, who he has made us to be. And then we get up from that place and we go live accordingly. So we are made to reign through the righteousness. uh, Sorry. Where were, yeah, Romans five seventeen. So the gift of righteousness, okay, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, right standing with God. There's nothing you can do to elevate your standing with God. Nothing. No human efforts. doesn't matter how much you fast and pray. doesn't matter how much you, you will never have more standing with God. Okay, be careful. Listen to what I'm saying here. There's a, this is where some things can get misunderstood about grace and all this kind of things. Grace frees us. Grace puts us in a position of being the righteousness of God in order to live, to be free to live like Jesus. Grace does not set us free to live like the devil. Grace sets us on the path with the Holy Spirit to live like our Heavenly Father. Okay, so the gift of righteousness, we will then reign in life um, through the one man's obedience, Jesus' many will be made righteous. It's by his obedience, and we enter into that. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace, we're partakers of his grace. We, we, um, we reign through righteousness, it says. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. So if... Because sometimes the enemy will say to you, you can't step out and expect a miracle in that area, or minister in that way, or do what Jesus did. Why? Because look, look at you. Okay, that's already the wrong place to look. When we're walking by faith, we're not looking at ourselves. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Right? We don't walk by faith by looking at ourselves. Right? If you're looking at yourself, you're going to be stumbling all over yourself because you're not going to see clearly because his word is not being a lamp unto your feet. You're looking at your, your muscles and you're looking at your abilities and all of these things and efforts, and, and that's, a, that's a way to get pounded by the enemy. But when we're truly looking unto Jesus and forgetting the human efforts, we've entered into the works of Christ. We've entered into the life of Christ where we, we learn to abide in Him, and then we function from there. And then it doesn't matter what we see. We know Jesus speaks to the storm. We know that when He lifts His hand, you know, bread is multiplied, and the storms cease, and the sick are healed, and the lame walk, and the dead are raised. That's who we are the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God in Christ. We need to learn to live, understand what it means to be that righteousness of God.
0: <clears throat>
1: um, in 2 Corinthians 5, it, it's, uh, it talks about that, that, being made a new creation. It says, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. What does that mean? It means, okay, when, you, when you're explaining something, it's for the benefit of, of somebody. When, our, when we are beside ourselves, we're just living unto God. We, we, there's nothing to explain. We abide in Him. What's the solution? What's the answer? Abide in Him. Just abide. There's, there, there's no stuff to explain. It, it's Him. It's Him. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's not a technique. It's not a formula. It's not an ABC 1, 2, 3. It's Him. As we abide in Him and operate from Him and think like Him and do what He would do, that's the answer. We need to stop striving in human efforts and realize what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ. You're in right standing with God if you're in Christ. He has done it. You will never achieve a more... Right standing uh, status with God, then Jesus gave to you. You are a son of God. Now, we abide in His promises. We abide in His Word. We abide in Him, and we act from Him. And then, we will see the miracles that only He can do. In First Corinthians one. 26, it says, You see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, noble people are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, because faith seems like foolishness to the worldly wise. What? That's Get real, man. What? No, you get real. (laughs) What's more real? The word of God which spoke into existence the universe or the created thing that we're standing on. The one who created his word that created all things, that's the more sure foundation. Okay. Not many wise according to flesh. God has chosen the foolish. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty, and the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. See, God had to package his life that we access it through faith, lest human uh, pride enter into the equation of, look what I achieved. You see? God is separating from the pride of man his very life. And he says, "No, you, you, darkness doesn't coexist with light. Step out from human efforts. Abide in me. Faith in my name. That's where we can get things done. Jesus is saying, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians one twenty nine, But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, he who glories let him glory in the Lord. Not, look what I achieved. We, our glorying is in the Lord. He is our righteousness, it says. He is our wisdom. He is our everything. Don't let the enemy try to get you to buy and achieve what Christ has already provided for you. You can't do it. It doesn't work. In fact, it's made not to work like that. (laughs) As long as we're trying to, by human efforts, merit something, it is unavailable in God. Why? Because it is by faith in the achievements of Christ alone. And the righteousness that we are is by Christ alone who has done that. So we need to live according to who we really are and stop striving like the world in human effort. But be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in whom he has made you to be in himself. Be strong and walk by faith and power and authority, knowing that it is Christ in you and not you as a human effort, fleshly thing you're trying to do. God is looking for people like that, whom he, whom fully rely and have faith and trust and will act upon his promises because God can back that person up because it's not the person it's Christ," he said. Jesus said, "If if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. How do we lift him up? By living according to his promises, by stepping out by faith, and living according to whom he has made us to be, as children of God. We ran out of time. <laughs> um, thank you, Lord. Um, Paul, just just real quick, Philippians 3 verse 9 says that I may be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, human ability, efforts, things, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So that is how we abide and we experience his power. His resurrection is by not having our own righteousness derived from human effort, but through abiding faith in Christ himself. So let's be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It says in Colossians 2, verse 14, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. How? Because we're alive together with him. He forgave us our sins. He's made us righteous. The handwriting of requirements are gone. Now we need to abide in Him and His victory in what He's provided. His life. It's Him. It's not what He provides. It's Him. And then it is provided. Our focus needs to be Him, not what He gives. When our focus is Him and abiding in Him, loving Him, having faith in Him, operating from Him, all these other things shall be added unto you. Let us not get the hor- the cart before the horse, our eyes off of him and onto the things, the good things that he provides. Let our focus always be on him. Then our faith will be in the right place because it's him. It's not this aspect. It's him who will provide that healing, that breakthrough, that provision. Whatever it is, it's him living by him, in him, the wisdom that he'll give us when we're in that state. In, in Christ Okay, thank you Jesus For what you have done And made available to us Your very own life The life of God Thank you, Heavenly Father Amazing, amazing gift So amazing That, he, that we can be called Your righteousness it's, part of, it's our DNA It's your DNA That we've inherited By virtue of being connected To you And I pray for each one of us here that we will understand and and meditate on this, that we will take this truth, powerful, of what you have done and just allow that to reach into the depths of our hearts so that we can live from that place where miracles and your very life will be manifest. For your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's go and live like Jesus. If you like prayer for anything, please come. We'll be happy to do that. And let's manifest the kingdom of heaven. That's why we're here. Okay. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, my name is Paul Warren Gray with Life Mission. If you'd like more audio and video teachings like this one, please visit our website at www.lifemission. Dot org.za. That's www.lifemission.org.za. And if you are in the Johannesburg area in South Africa, we hope you'll drop in so we can meet you in person. Details are on the website.